You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. This is the final episode of this season, which I'm still a little bit in shock about. I began recording this season at the beginning of lockdown here in the UK, and it's incredible to think that not much has really changed now that we're at the end of season five and well into August. As I mentioned last week, season six is going to be something a little different and I have interviews with people who I believe are going to really push our thinking in regards to company culture. So if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. This week's podcast is once again sponsored by my new private Facebook group, The Culture Activists. If you'd like to join a community of like-minded culture champions who are doing interesting things with their culture, then come and join us. The link to the group will be in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. I'm joined by Rebecca Lewis-Smith, who is co-founder and managing director of Fountain, an award-winning digital marketing agency. Her passion is for building an exceptional culture within the agency, looking beyond the traditionals. Today, we'll be discussing how Rebecca used coaching to transform people and culture at Fountain. So let's get started. Hi, Rebecca, and welcome to the Make It Thrive podcast. So tell us about the coaching and mentoring program you have there at Fountain. Hi, Rebecca, and welcome to the Make It Thrive podcast. Tell us about the coaching and mentoring program you have there at Fountain. Hi Lizzie, thanks so much for having me on. So at Fountain we have a coaching scheme that we rolled out in early 2020 in January Um, and I'm incredibly grateful that we managed to get it up and running before the coronavirus lockdown happened because I think it would have been a lot harder to get um, everything in place remotely Um, and I'm also really, I think it's been very good for our team to have it in place during this time. So the way that it works is that rather than having an external coach come in and work with um, our team members, we asked for volunteers among our team members and we identified a few people that um, I guess were the team members that their colleagues were regularly turning to on a regular basis anyway Um, and we asked them whether they would just do some basic training with us uh, about how to coach people and what coaching means and what we recognize at Fountain is that as well as so as well as having someone that you can turn to who has more experience in the world. So as a business leader, I have mentors who are people who have done this before and they know what they're talking about and I can go and bounce off ideas off them and they can sort of reflect back to me uh, their wisdom. That in addition to having someone like that, it's actually very good to have someone who's a sounding board, who's a peer. So we adapted some coaching courses that I had been on, some sort of learnings that I'd had. And we were also, we're very, very lucky that we work with one of the best coaches in the world as a client of ours, Michael Neal. Um, He's a transformative coach and he's absolutely brilliant. And I was very, very lucky to be able to run these ideas past him and get his input on it as well. And we created a program whereby our 
team members can coach each other and they don't need to be experts in that field. It's coaching as a role towards each other rather than as a sort of positional, I have more experience than you. So for example, we have a team member who um, has a unique role at Fountain where no one else does what she does, but she can still be coached by someone else because it's about sort of that, yeah, having a sounding board, having someone to um, talk through any challenges that you have on your plate and potentially brainstorm a bit or troubleshoot and just have someone sitting with you to say okay what else have you thought about and how did you come to that conclusion and sort of that approach to to coaching and what we've seen has been brilliant over the past um, few weeks is that it has meant that as we've gone into lockdown with the coronavirus pandemic we also have a network of people to who can sort of let us know that how people are getting on so um my business is a digital marketing agency and we're incredibly data driven and I'm not joking when I say that I now have a spreadsheet that tells me how people's well-being is because all of the coaches are now just feeding back saying out of five how is this person getting on and that has been so valuable um, during this crisis. Wow that's incredible that you've you know, like we say, a lot of the time it comes from an outside source. You know, these coaches, we're often requesting this from a third party, but instead you guys have kind of actually nurtured your team to to be so much more aware of each other and, and support each other in this unique way. That's exactly it. I think the thing for me is that my ideal is to get to a point where we have a business where everyone can coach everyone else because coaching is just a skill. It's not yeah. more like experience it's not a different role it's not some it's just a a particular role that you play at any given time and like my ideal as, as director of the company is that I could turn to anyone and say hey could you just coach me through this problem and they could say okay what have you done so far and we would just sort of dive into it rather than it being something that has to be external um, and I think that approach as well of you know asking those coaching questions where you're um you're supporting someone to find their own answers. You're not giving advice. You're not leading someone to a destination. You're just supporting them to get there themselves. As something fundamental to our culture, I love that that's the kind of conversations that can happen so that as someone sits there and gets really frustrated, they don't need to wait for a coaching session, but their colleagues sat next to them might say, okay, so tell me how you got to where you are right now. What have you tried so far? And just like start opening up into that kind of conversation. I love that so much. It's so inspiring to hear because there's so often I hear um, from businesses about, you know, how, I mean, you touched on it briefly about how appraisals are kind of this icky thing that no one ever looks forward to. And it's just become quite demoralizing in so many senses, especially when you over, what I often say, sort of over HR it, you know, um, and it can feel really rigid and unhuman and people kind of have to rate themselves all the time um, and it, it, it can kind of create this sense of um, them and us in in colleagues as well as um, you know from leaders to to those they're sort of managing so to actually go through this approach where people are actually being far more empathetic and guiding rather than leading with a bit of an agenda mm-hmm I think that's exactly it. I think there's something around, I mean, we, when we did, um, so the way that we rolled it out was that I did a workshop with people. And now I'm not an experienced coach. I've had a lot of coaching, but I'm not someone who's coached a lot of other um, But I had been on some great training courses about coaching. Um, and so I just started collating some of the material. Some of those were like tools and techniques, like models for coaching, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then I added into that a huge piece of advice from directly from Michael Neal, which was to not over tool it, like 
make the role of the coach to be a good listener, not to apply a tool and get really strict about, oh, no, I can't ask that kind of question. It has to be this kind of question. Mm-hmm. Um, and he introduced me to a great book by Nancy Klein called Time to Think. And the quote from that that I love is that the role of the coach is to let the person who's being coached see how far their own thinking can take them before the coach adds any of their thinking to the process. And I love that concept that like, okay, the role is not to come up with answers or to push someone some way. It's to make sure that someone's own thought processes, the person who's being coached, that that can lead them to the, the destination that they want to get to. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I think it's one of those things, isn't it? When we have those kind of in-depth conversations, um, even even when you do it with family members or friends, we, we struggle listening. Like We feel like we have to fill the silence with something or we have to constantly be that problem solver ourselves. I mean, I, I definitely know I do it sometimes with um, my family and my friends because I'm just a natural problem solver. So I just want to go in there and problem solve. But actually, you know, listening is such an art form. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that is really, so one of the challenges that we've had with this, because there, there are challenges rolling out any new scheme. And one mm-hmm. of the things that we, that um, sometimes the person being coached just wants some answers. And so we've had like conversations about how, like, that's fine. If someone says, hey, can I have your advice? You're not going to turn around and say, no, I'll coach you to a solution. <laughs> um, and there are t- and equally, there are times where someone might be going down a path and that you can just see that you, that, that that might not work out and so having that language of being able to say sorry could I just intervene and give you some advice would that be okay um but always checking and making sure that you're not imposing that advice on someone um and equally that it's fine to say hey listen coaching is all well and good but I just need your ideas right now that that's also allowed it doesn't become something which is completely foreign um to how we work but also is training all of us to look for solutions all the time I think we had a um a really interesting moment years and years ago where my colleague, um, my co-director, Laura, had been our main person doing PPC in the business before we grew. And so for as we grew and we hired people, they would naturally turn to Laura to ask questions. And we realised at one point we actually had to remove her from the room because people were going to Laura before they even went to Google. <laughs> like they were saying... <laughs> Can we do this it's like and actually you know recognizing that first of all that was really demanding on her because you know mental bandwidth gets taken up with every question um but also that it was meaning that even when people knew the answer they would ask her just just because because she was there um and I think it's a similar thing of that if what we want across our agency is for people to be finding solutions themselves that you know we talk about that thing of like don't bring problems bring potential solutions mm-hmm. um and the coaching mindset really supports that because it's, it is you are talking to someone who potentially doesn't have the background of the challenge like if I'm coached in my leadership role right now if one of my colleagues coaches me who isn't working in leadership within the business they don't have all the context but they can still ask some really pertinent questions they can still be a really great sounding board and sometimes just saying out loud what your th- thought process is mm-hmm. like even that is the helpful thing that is needed. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just to unravel your own thoughts. I think we all need someone like that. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, and it's really not to devalue the role of external coaches as well. Like I have an amazing external coach who works with me who really, really has supported me massively. Um, But I think it's just recognizing that you can't you can't flip a switch and create a coaching culture. Right. You have to put something in place where people are 
learning how to be coaches then practicing so in addition to the training session that we did we had um until lockdown stopped them we were doing regular practice sessions where all of the people who were designated coaches would get together and just practice on coaching each other and get feedback from each other um so we do a little triad set where one person coaches one person is the coach one person is the coachee and the other person observes and gives feedback um just to make sure that we're all honing that skill all the time rather than assuming that we know what we're doing yeah Absolutely. No, that sounds like a very practical thing to do. So what made you sort of decide to adopt coaching and mentoring in the first place? Was there a particular trigger that kind of set it off in motion? So it's a combination of things. One of them is that we used to have a structure where people in service delivery within the business would have something called a tech one-to-one. And that was a 45 minute session with someone who was more experienced than me than them in their technical field and what ended up happening was that like I think for about half the business it just didn't happen at all because they didn't seek it out Um, and then for some people they really heavily relied on these tech sessions Um, but then anyone who wasn't working in an area where there was someone with more experience than in the business more experience than them in the business wouldn't get that support so we and we also recognized that some of this was bottlenecking on a few individuals so there were two or three people who were supposedly coaching like 11 or 12 people and when we're saying that these coaching conversations should happen twice a month that's a lot of time to dedicate to so we had been looking for a solution that would um ease up on those bottlenecks and also take out this need for the this sort of yeah for there to be a more technically experienced person with you because we as a company we, we have a very very collaborative culture we do a lot of um internal learning like people are sharing what they're learning a lot um but we just felt that so much of what was coming up in those tech one-to-ones actually wasn't technical it wasn't about platforms it was more about like strategic thinking or challenges that people were facing with you know whether it was um not quite knowing how to communicate with a particular client and they wanted to talk it through and actually that didn't need someone with more paid search experience than them or more uh, conversion rate optimization experience it could be anyone we have a team of very bright and lovely people and it could be anyone so um so yeah we started to dismantle what we had before and replace it with this system wow that's fantastic it's good that you obviously already had like almost a foundation kind of there already of you know that um peer-to-peer learning um and then you've kind of almost gone right how can we actually enhance this and what can we do better so it's great to have seen almost like the evolution of it um because a, a lot of the time even that peer-to-peer learning isn't in place in a lot of businesses um so actually you know saying well kind of miss that step and maybe focus on this area instead is a really practical way to look at it yeah I think the thing is well for our industry the peer-to-peer learning is so important because in digital marketing we could hire someone today who has a master's in digital marketing that they graduated with in last year and it's already out of date right like you master course and have done it be there you're the expert it's changing so fast all the time and so one of the benefits for our clients of working with us is obviously that they're not just working with one person who's continuously learning they're working with one person within a larger organization in which there are 40 people continuously learning and continuously sharing so it's sort of it's really fundamental to our industry and how we deliver services um and at times it's interesting uh, through our growth journey there were definitely moments where we lost that internal learning um you know things got too busy or suddenly there were too many people or people um new people didn't know to 
be putting themselves forward in the same way that people who've been with us for a long time. So we have revisited that whole structure as well um, within the past couple of years to make sure that those learnings are um, not just happening, but also that they're not only happening from the same few individuals all the time. And I think whereas a few years ago, we would often be like encouraging people to say, oh, please share what you're learning. Please remember to share it. Now we, we don't have to remind anyone. It's just the norm is to, to share what's coming up. That's fantastic. That, that just shows how much you've nurtured that culture as well, because, you know, um, it's, all, it's always about feedback and getting their engagement just as much as you guys driving it. Like you need them to participate in it as well. Oh, yeah. And there's no way that like we couldn't impose this on anyone. (laughs) We can't force anyone to be a coach and we can't force anyone to be coached. Like it has to be a, um, yeah, a collaborative experience. Definitely. That's fantastic. So you mentioned briefly earlier about how it's kind of impacted your team during COVID. So how has it impacted how has it sort of, you know, um, evolved the company culture? What kind of shifts have you seen when you sort of introduced this? So I think the, because we introduced it in January, so it was up and running fully in February. And then in March, we were obviously heading into lockdown. Yeah. We're now at the point where we've had more months with lockdown coaching than we had before. <laughs> it. And I think the, the thing that I am just so so grateful for is that having this in place before lockdown happened has meant that every single person has someone to talk to yeah. um, and someone like as a business we um we don't have line management at fountain we run um a non i've been calling it a non-hierarchical structure and when you go into crisis hierarchy is really apparent so at the minute i feel like i can't call it non-hierarchical <laughs> We've been through a very hierarchical phase, but we basically, we don't have line managers and instead we operate on a system of accountability and roles and responsibilities. Um, And so making, sort of adding to someone's responsibilities that they are responsible for checking in with, say, four people twice a month, um, having that in place before we went into this incredibly disrupted time has meant that everyone has those touch points that, and also that, I guess it's, time carved out to just talk about how someone's getting on yeah. um, and already accounted for we'd already got that built into our timesheets. we'd already identified the right people they'd had a few face-to-face sessions before lockdown happened so in terms of going into this very very unknown um, challenging uncertain time having all of those things in place has been really beneficial and as I say also having a spreadsheet where everyone is like you know they don't I think some of them ask, they'll say on a scale of one to five, how are you doing? And other people just score them based on the conversation. But anyone who's like less than a four out of five, it, I've got a spreadsheet that tells me how they were not just this week, but two weeks ago. Yeah. And actually, oh gosh, since lockdown, they've been a lot lower than they were before. I'm going to give them a call and check in with them. And it just gives an extra level of like, okay, that person who that day was scored a two out of five, I can check in on why that was and see whether they maybe need some extra support or whether actually that was just a really rotten moment and, you know, the next session that they had, they're back up to a four out of five. Yeah, definitely. That's brilliant that you're tracking it in that way because it's very easy to say that you're doing it. You know, there's a lot of companies saying, oh, yes, we're, you know, putting, we're doing all these well-being incentives or whatever. And I, and I always talk about it. It's one of my, like, bugbears in company culture is what I call the plaster perks. It's like, just look like we're doing something, even though we're not really doing something. Whereas my is like, a company culture is not made by a beanbag in the corner. <laughs> like, but, and it's true that you, you can't, 
you can't just say that you're doing something and expect like you can't say oh we've got a a well-being initiative where people can sign up for this if they need it that's not the same as having something which is like fundamentally part of how you run absolutely yes that's exactly it (laughs) put that in a quote please because I I need to share that (laughs) absolutely that's what I'm always trying to hammer home to people is that um whenever I talk about culture is all these like oh yeah we've we've kind of got culture sorted it's like we we do these things it's like it's, it's part of who you are and what you do it's not and an, an add-on it's not like a sticky thing you can turn on and off exactly I think been I, I feel like we've been really lucky in our business so we are four co-directors who run the business together and over the past few years so we went through really rapid growth in um, 2017 we grew from a team of 11 to I think it was 42 by the end of the year it was sort of on our on our 11 year journey that year was the crazy one <laughs> um, and I think where I feel really lucky is that because there were four of us and we were able to focus on different areas, company culture was my focus during that time. There was a moment where as we were hiring people and as like new business was coming in, it was all really exciting. We just realized, oh my gosh, we're about to turn into a different business unless we actively hang on to everything that we loved about it before. And so being able to like make that my role has enabled us to get to a point where the, you know, one of our team members was telling me that before he joined, uh, fountain one of his former colleagues was saying to him oh you don't want to join them they're all a cult like as soon as people join there they're all like banging on about how great it is and he sort of said to me but now I've joined it actually you know it is that great <laughs> and we put a lot of energy into it and you can't hack this stuff you can't make it up you can't say our values are up on a wall and we're now a values driven organization they have to be fundamental to how a place is running yeah um and that's what I love about the the coaching aspect is that I'm not saying that we have a coaching culture now. We have a, co- a coaching program and we have a coaching system. But I'm so excited that within a couple of years, we will have that coaching culture, that this is the foundations for that moment where I can walk in and turn to like one of our new recruits, junior members of staff and say, hey, could you coach me through a problem? Mm-hmm. Like that to me is the goal to get to. And this is just a step on the journey of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, that that is so incredible to think that especially when you you, like you say it's one of those things where you know in most cultures in most companies they they just think it's driven by such such basic tick box exercises but until you really see it working in 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 real life and and like one of your colleagues said you know like actually I I can feel the difference you there's there's a there's not just a an operational difference in the way a business runs when its culture is so so solid but there's there's a feeling that everybody has about how how great it is to work there absolutely and um it's also I I shared in a talk that I did um about a year ago that feeling is that when something is at odds with it, it feels, you feel it so strongly. Yeah. It's like a nose out of key when something happens. We um, we went through a redundancy process that was unexpected to our staff members. We got a few things wrong in how we communicated it. Um, this was back in, um, in 2018. And I've done a talk about this, which is known as my monkey's talk because I, uh, <laughs> yeah, the whole metaphor thing that I use in it. But um, the key thing that we learned from that so going into a very very HR heavy process was so at odds with our culture because we're so transparent we share everything that's going on and so going from that into something like a redundancy process that's so sort of HR heavy and you can't reassure people it's not it's not empathy based Mm. it's like 
legal based. Yeah. Um, it it in a way it showed me how strong our culture was that that moment just was so out of kilter with everything else and you know luckily we got back on track like our culture was really shaken by that moment but we got back on track within a few months and um and now we now I mean that was a really really important lesson for us to learn gosh yeah I can imagine it's oh when things go like that it's just it brings knots into your stomach um and it's especially when you've been working in in such a transparent authentic way to have to then kind of go back to the rule book (laughs) almost and kind of play along is is really hard I mean you mentioned there about that you're sort of one of four um sort of directors of the company and you know when it's um got sort of a lot of stakeholders involved in um sort of the way the business is driving forward a lot of um companies have to get sort of kind of buy-in from stakeholders about doing any kind of culture changes and you know having to go into real detail about how we're going to measure impact and all of that kind of thing it feels like it sometimes gets really stuck in the numbers I mean for you guys um you know are obviously you're measuring impact in regards to sort of how people are feeling with the spreadsheet but is there any other way you're measuring impact or how what's I suppose what's success going to look like to you guys so I think for us we so the thing to add about the four of us who own the company together, we're also two couples and we're very, very close friends. So we've, and we've been running the company together for 11 years. Our, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that like our collaborative decision-making process is very, very slick now. Like we're very, very good at having differing opinions and coming to a conclusion that we're all happy with it because we've been practicing it for so long. <laughs> And I think that a lot of the collaborative aspects within the company also cascade from that because that's how we found it was the, the four of us saying, hey, let's do this. No, we should do that. Wait a second. Let's discuss it. OK, how about this? And coming to consensus together. Um, so I think in terms of getting each other's buy in, there was a moment where we all agreed that it would be really good for me to focus on the culture piece. And so I don't have to get buy in for individual yeah. because they all recognize how important it is and they also all recognize how this is one of our differentiators like we find it very very easy to recruit we also have worked with some fantastic recruiters who really know what we're looking for in terms of culture fit and um like what team members can expect from us and what we expect from them in return because you know having the non-hierarchical structure that we have we do expect a lot from people you can't really coast yeah fountain you have you have to want it you have to be accountable you have to be responsible you can't sort of turn up and uh and just do the bare minimum um so it's it's so important to find the right team members but I think what we recognize is that as a service business our job is to make sure that the environment of Fountain is one where the people that we are hiring can do their very best work because at the end of the day we're selling their time so for us to hire people and sell their time and then create an environment where they can't do their best work, where they're not motivated, where they where there's infighting and politics instead of like focusing on performance and celebration and like how well everything works. We see it as fundamental to what we're offering. Mm. Um, and I, we measure in various different ways. So we have the Gallup Q12 is one of our tools that we use on a regular basis. I was just having a conversation a couple of days ago about like, do we do this during lockdown? And we are going to, we're going to, I'm sure that our scores will drop through the floor on it. But, um, but yeah, we, we are going to to keep up that measurement. So we have various metrics that we use to, um, to sort of check how we're going. But for us, it's, 
when you sort of say what does success look like I think for us the culture of the company is fundamental to all of our success mm-hmm. because we wouldn't be able to offer the services to the level that we do if we didn't have the culture that supports it yeah absolutely no I couldn't agree more it's amazing how it can transform a culture and actually it can drive such quality work because everybody is being able to be so fulfilled um, in the in themselves with coaching um, so it's really amazing to to hear and, and the fact that you know it's supported so much during covid i mean i mean well-being is one of the the top issues that a lot of businesses are really struggling with at the moment because even before lockdown they had absolutely no well-being strategy in place no coaching strategy absolutely nothing and now it's almost like it's 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 critical because there are people in, in experiencing this situation in so many different ways um so it's fascinating to hear how it's it's sort of helped i mean you know what are your words of wisdom to an organization looking to take on coaching and mentoring in the workplace have you got any sort of golden nuggets that you'd want to share with someone so I think the the main bit of advice I would have is to define what you mean by coaching because for us it's actually it's not mentoring it's peer-to-peer rather than so um, my partner Marcus talks about and he's um, written a great article about the idea of that everyone should have a plus an equal and a minus so a plus is someone who mentors you because they have more experience and equal is a peer-to-peer that you uh, sound can sounding board and sort of problem solve together and a minus is someone that you mentor so someone with less experience than you um, and our coaching programs it's very much in that equal to equal space um, but equally you could have in a business a system that was about mentorship you could have one which was about the uh, someone with more experience supporting someone with less experience. That, I mean, for example, I know several legal firms where that works really, really well to have something structured like that. But I think the first thing is to define what you mean by coaching and also what you are, I guess, what you're going to invest in it and what you want to get out of it. So for us, it's the investment of time. It's every single person who is on our coaching list has that time dedicated um, each month to coach each other or to coach people. And eventually we'll get to a point where everyone in the business is on that list. So that means that everyone needs to have enough time to coach each other. Um, in terms of what we want to get out of it, we want to get out of it a, a an organisation that works with each other to coach each other through problems rather than waiting for one person with a specific type of experience to solve problems for them. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think just being very clear about what is what it means and what it is for right from the start and also recognizing that like you know in our business time doesn't come for free because we sell time that is our commodity so saying that every single person is going to have two hours of coaching time from a peer which so that's four hours per person really um because it's two from the coach and two from the coachee you just have to like recognize that that investment is worth it and then go ahead with it rather than thinking that it's something that you could tack on um, and yet still need people to build a certain number of, of hours a day you know you have to make space for it as well yeah absolutely well Rebecca you have given us so much inspiration and insight and some real practical knowledge as well so thank you so much for joining me today on Make It Thrive. Thank you so much for having me I've really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast with me, your host, Lizzie Benton. If you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.